0: in this first full day of being on retreat, remembering that there may be some degree of adjustment from the usual, perhaps, kind of active life that one leads to a life in which there's nothing much to do. We're really just sitting and walking. And so, remembering that there could be a bit of, of uh, resistance or uh, difficulty in making this kind of an adjustment. But it can happen quite easily if one recognizes that resistance is really part of the practice. It's not other than the practice. It's not that it shouldn't be happening. It's very much an aspect that, of life that we can be mindful of, that we can be aware of. So as long as we can absorb it into our practice, it's not a problem. Because of things being a bit different on retreat than perhaps in our usual everyday life, there may be a tendency to try to control the environment, to bring about a sense of familiarity or a sense of security. and to create projects, ideas, things that have to be done, things that one needs knows needs to change in the environment. And the suggestion is just to let it all go, to surrender to the practice, to surrender to the schedule, and to let it all go. Other than attempting to control the outer environment, One may also sense a need to control what's happening inwardly, the inner environment. And one thing that we can recognize in practice right away is that it's not possible to control what arises inside. What arises is truly out of our control. And we immediately get into some kind of a crunch if we think that we can control that which is occurring from moment to moment. So beginning our week together, remembering this as much as we can, that that which arises is conditioned and is very clearly and truly completely, completely out of our control. However, what we can do, what is within our power, is to respond to that which is occurring. Instead of reacting, we can respond. And this is mindfulness, this is attention, this is clear seeing. It's possible to respond with attention and kindness to whatever it is that we see arising within. And this is the practice. Again, not to try to control that which can't be controlled. And to recognize that there is this enormous power of mindfulness, of attention within, of kindness within, and this is what we can call upon. Each one of us can call upon the power of mindfulness and respond to that which arises quite naturally, that which is out of our control with attention, with grace. we're moving, in a sense, away from our focus being on what it is that is occurring in consciousness to how we are relating to it, rather than the focus being so much on the content, so much on the what, what thought, what plan, what feeling. It's not that this is not important. But the focus of our practice is much more on how am I being with that which is occurring right now? Is it possible to be with this particular moment with spaciousness, with grace, with kindness? We're practicing attentiveness, being attentive from moment to moment. And there's so many different words one can use for attention, and they resonate with us in different ways. The word attention, the word being awake, being aware of whatever it is that's happening, seeing, non-judgmental observation in a non-judgmental way, observing whatever it is that's occurring, connecting with our experience rather than being separated from our experience, knowing what's happening, right here and now, knowing what's happening. And another word that's sometimes used is listening, deeply listening to ourselves, deeply listening to life. I want to read something. Um, Avalokiteshvara, just to fill you in, is the personification of compassion. We evoke your name, Avalokiteshvara. We aspire to learn your way of listening in order to help relieve the suffering in the world. You know how to listen in order to understand. We evoke your name in order to practice listening with all our attention and open-heartedness. We will sit and listen without any prejudice. We will sit and listen without judging or reacting. We will sit and listen in order to understand. We will sit and listen so attentively that we will be able to hear what is being said and what is being unsaid. We know that just by listening deeply, we already alleviate a great deal of pain and suffering. And so more and more to place our trust to take refuge in deeply listening. Not an idea of deeply listening in the future not planning to deeply listen, but right here and now to see if moment to moment there can be this attentiveness, this kind attentiveness, day-to-day we'll be sitting and we'll be walking. I'll give the instructions for walking at the end of the sitting. But practice is really being aware and attentive in whatever it is that we're doing. So a continuity of attentiveness is what we're encouraging in ourselves. Whatever it is that we're doing, whatever it is that we're experiencing, to be awake, to be attentive. And so moving into the sitting, allowing the posture to be comfortable without being tight or tense. and experiencing the body sitting. Allowing the mind to rest within the body with a sense of ease, with a sense of relaxation, spaciousness. the body in contact with the cushion, with the chair, with the floor, being aware that sitting is occurring right now, not as a concept, but because we can feel the sensations occurring. And beginning to sense the breathing, beginning to feel the breath. No need to think about the breath, no need to describe the breath. But to know that an in-breath is occurring right now. To know that an out-breath is occurring right now. No need to control or change the breath in any way. No need to make it conform to any particular ideas about how the breath should be. Getting to know the breath that's happening right now in your own experience. and sustaining the attention. Sustaining the attention on the in-breath. Sustaining the attention on the out-breath. Connected to the present moment. Using the breathing being aware of this breathing body, sitting. Allowing each breath to come in its own way, in its own time. Allowing it to come, allowing it to go.
1: In beginning a retreat, there are mm-hmm. a number of different approaches that can be um, adopted. Some people come to retreat and feel it's a a time or an experience that they have to kind of warm up to, you know, and take some days and gradually do a little more practice until, you know, at some point they may end up doing the whole schedule. It is an approach that's interesting in that sometimes actually the end of the retreat comes and we're still in first gear, so to speak, we're not warmed up. For other people, they come into retreat with a sense of intensity you know, that this is a, a very short time and, and to really derive the most benefit, you know, I have to uh, work, work, work and never relax and strive and force, which is also an interesting approach in that it tends to breed a great deal of tension. <coughs> I think between these two extremes, there is a, a middle path which is not measured by how much or how little is actually done in a retreat, but which has much more to do with our relationship, our attitude, our inner sense of devotion or commitment. And I think this middle path is much more concerned with exploring the whole notion of surrendering into attentiveness Not surrendering to something, to someone, not worshipping a schedule, not, you know, worshipping a timetable, but surrendering into attentiveness. I think this is an approach and a relationship which is important for us to explore. it is easy, even as we practice, to have a parallel agenda going on as a way of staying in control or staying safe. Sometimes when, have spoken about, you know, how they make deals with themselves, you know, or make deals with the schedule, you know. I'll, I'll do that those two sittings, but then I'm probably going to be tired, so then that's going to be my nap time, or I'll sit, you know, 15 minutes with this uncomfortable knee, but then I'm really going to have a real good stretch, you know, the kind of setting up of how things will be, or the parallel agenda of having a number of projects in mind that will happen through the day. You know, and even though there's actually so very little to do here, it's quite phenomenal how much we can find to do, you know. You know, and when you find yourself reading the housekeeping manual, or...
0: <laughs>
1: I have noticed. are the instructions on the fire extinguishers, you know. <laughs> Things are getting bad, you know, there is something else going on here other than just being deeply interested in in how IMS actually operates, you know. We can do without this information. We don't need to know how the dishwashing machine runs, you know. It's, It's a liberation, you know, and it's to see the ways in which we can have these little parallel agendas, these little parallel projects. Um... Running. Surrendering into attentiveness. What does that mean for us? To give ourselves to that devotion of being present in every moment. To see that as a gift and not as a punishment. To actually see that as a gift to ourselves and not something that is forced, not something that we must do, not as a punishment. One way, I think, of surrendering into that attentiveness is a little bit also letting go of our attachment, uh, this exaggerated attachment, I think, we have at times to time. You know, for some people in, in their lives outside of retreat, time is an absolute tyrant, you know, things have to be done, things have to be produced, you know, um, I've so little time to do this, you know, I have this time for this, that sometimes time just kind of runs, dictates our lives, and it is something that we can bring into retreat, and it's an interesting, I mean, time is, in many ways, such a transparent concept that we make into something so real, Um, an interesting thing that some of you might want to experiment with is surrendering your watches. Gross terrible. Imagine. (laughs) Surrendering your watches. You know, you don't actually need them here. You know we have bells and if you get confused, just follow the crowd. They know where they're going. (laughs) Except if you're a bell ringer, then you need your watch. But you might want to experiment with it. I mean, look at what we do sometimes with time. You know, you might be walking and, you know, suddenly the mind has a few hiccups, you know, little waves. And the first thing we do is, look at our watch. You know, how much longer do I have to do this? As if, you know, it's not exactly that we're so much struggling with the walking, but we're struggling with the, the resistance or the wave of the mind. And we somehow feel, well, you know, if this time is over, then it will be different. But actually, you know, I mean, if we said, you know, oh, please go for a walk, have a nice stroll around the pond this 45 minutes, probably be totally happy. It's not the utter walking we're struggling with, but the waves of the mind that say, you know, this is not satisfactory, I should be somewhere else not appreciating that the next moment of course is just going to bring more thoughts more sensations more feelings just in another minute you know to really let go of that way of of measuring of, of how much longer um, we struggle at times with attention you know it is interesting in retreat you know many of the resistances that we go through, the the hindrances, the you know the the struggles are to do with our resistance to being attentive. This is actually quite extraordinary um, regarding being attentive as somehow a, an imposition or or hard work or something that's um, unkind almost to ourselves. Everything in our lives, everything in our experience tells us that the times of greatest joy, the times of greatest happiness, the times of greatest connect, connection and well-being in our lives are those times when we've been really attentive. I mean, there is almost without exception If you think about yourself in nature, those times when you feel most touched, most responsive, are those times of open-heartedness, of whole-heartedness, of being present. If you think the times of, of depth in relationship with another person, when you're able to listen and receive and truly feel a bond of relatedness, they are times of great attention. There's times within, within ourselves when we feel truly connected, aware, um, in an authentic way of what we are experiencing, a sense of well-being. They too are times of great attention. Attention is happiness making. It is not a way of bringing Um, sadness or struggle or pain. Attention actually brings happiness. There are different kinds of attention that we do experience in our lives. One kind is a, a captured attentiveness. You know, if we were sitting in here and the fire alarm goes, everybody's very attentive. You know, the attention is captured by a strong impression. There is another quality of attention that um, is attentive, but it has an unconscious intention that is backed by aversion or craving. You know, if you think of the times when you become lost in a fantasy or um, dwelling on a particular thought pattern, um, obsessing repeating particular mm-hmm. I- images. There is a quality of attention there, but there's—it it is founded upon un- more unconscious feelings of aversion or craving. And there is a quality of attention that we are cultivating here, where the intention is much clearer. And the intention is to be awake to see clearly, to not dwell, to not be lost, to be simple, to be simply present. The intention is to connect with things as they actually are. This attention is the attention that is actually challenging for us because it is the attention that asks us to let go, to allow, to leave things be, rather than following the very familiar pathways of doing something with everything, or of reacting, or of or of um, dwelling upon what we are in contact with. Today in the meditation, really exploring those moments when we do feel to be very much in touch with our breath, with our bodies, equally being conscious of those moments when we find ourselves jumping out of the present, looking at our patterns of jumping, they will not be so unfamiliar to us, the way that we might jump into fantasy, jump into memory, uh, jump into daydreams. Really looking at the ways in which we jump out of this moment, having that willingness to see, to not judge, to begin again, really discovering a new pathway of being, which is simply present. Um, In the first day or two of a retreat, you know, there are Times when you'll be meeting the hindrances of sleepiness, of of restlessness, of doubt, of negativity, of wanting. Not, don't panic with them. These are a very temporary phenomena. They are a very temporary phenomena. And they are mind states. They are states of mind. They require a clear attentiveness, not feeling somehow that our meditation is going to begin after they go away. They are where we are really asked to be present and to not simply accept You know the, the concepts of saying, oh, I'm dull or I'm restless. What does that actually mean in this moment? What is possible within it? If you find that your attention is drawn into your body, uh, into sensations, into areas of discomfort, then bring in a light and gentle attentiveness to rest there for some moments. Not to resist, not to reject, to rest there for some moments in the area of contraction. And then returning to your breath. Really bearing in mind that our breath is a place of resting. It is our anchor to the present moment. We don't use the breath in order to increase the number of breaths that we have in a row or to measure our meditation by quantity or consistency of how attentive we are with our breathing. Our breath is our way of anchoring to this moment. It is a mirror by being present within our breath, we learn how to be present in those moments when the attention jumps away from the breath. They are equally significant. But to see simply there also, just to see simply, to know where we are, to come back into the next breath. So in the beginning of the sitting, just checking in with your posture that you feel balanced and alert. Letting your body relax into your posture. And bringing that same balance and steadiness into your attentiveness. Just listening inwardly, sensing your breath within your body being awake and present within your breathing. (coughs) Breathing in with sensitivity and breathing out with sensitivity.
0: Factors of heart that come into play in our practice that we can remember throughout the day today, it happens in a very natural way in practice. The first is faith, the faith that Christina was speaking about last night, the faith to be here. Um, Really getting behind oneself and recognizing that there is commitment simply because we're here, simply because all of us are practicing. And then out of whatever degree of faith is, sometimes it's quite strong, sometimes it's really a very tiny glimmer, and sometimes it requires a leap of faith. But whatever degree of faith that there is. <laughs> Out of this faith comes effort, comes wise effort. And wise effort is the intention to turn towards our experience. When we recognize that we're present, there's always a choice. We can leap back into fantasy. We can leap back into being absorbed by our experience. Or we can turn towards the present moment, whatever the present moment contains. And this is always a choice one has. We don't have any choice when the attention is absorbed or lost in phenomena. There's no responsibility or choice that's possible. But when there is that moment of presentness, we really can use it. And wise effort is the turning towards our experience. It doesn't have anything to do with trying to fix our experience. It doesn't have anything to do with trying to change the contents of consciousness. It doesn't have anything to do with the kind of effort we've been brought up in. It's a very different kind of effort that's asked of us in practice. The effort really is just the effort to see. That's all. The effort to see things as they are. So out of a leap of faith comes the wise effort to turn towards the present moment, to turn towards whatever our experience may be. The turning towards is the turning towards what is actually happening. So what comes in, of course, is mindfulness or attention. Noticing carefully with sensitivity that which is occurring in our experience. Noticing the various characteristics of whatever it is that's occurring. And then sustaining the attention on our experience, whatever it may be. Sustaining the attention doesn't mean this long life or having a plan that one is going to be concentrated for the next five minutes or for the next hour or for the rest of one's life. It's really sustaining the attention in the present moment on whatever it is that's occurring. So being fully with an in-breath and sustaining the attention throughout that in-breath being fully with an out-breath, and sustaining the attention throughout that out-breath. In other words, sustaining the attention and noticing what's happening is contact. It's contact with our experience. It's contact with the here and now. And out of contact comes in quite a natural way, insight or wisdom, and we don't have to worry about insight. We don't have to think that we have some responsibility to make insights happen. You know, we can demand to have insights at times, but it doesn't really matter whether we demand it or not. Insight occurs in a natural way on its own. And it's really the natural outgrowth of there being some degree of faith, and again, even a a tiny bit is enough, Enough faith to turn towards our experience, to be present with our experience, to notice what our experience may be, to sustain our attention, and then the natural outgrowth, the natural result is wisdom and insight. So what we're working with is a relaxation of mind, a relaxation of heart, along with A curiosity, an interest in whatever it is that's happening, an openness towards whatever it is that's occurring. To attend is to care. It's the same thing. To attend, to be aware, to be attentive is to care. It's very much a form of of loving, of caring. And so we can care about pain that arises or that may arise throughout the day today. When physical pain arises, looking to see if there's any sense of ownership, any sense of blame, thinking that one has caused it or created it in some way, instead of observing that pain is natural and doesn't have much to do with us. Sometimes when pain arises, we do take too much responsibility for it and think that in some way we've caused or created it. And it adds to the experience in a very burdensome way. Recognizing when there is pain, if there is resistance. No need to try and get rid of the resistance or push it away, but simply to be aware, to notice if resistance is happening as quite a natural aspect of pain at times. Seeing if it's possible to be with the experience in the present moment, in the here and now. It's absolutely impossible to plan to be with pain for the rest of one's life. It's really impossible to plan to be with pain for the rest of the hour or for the rest of the the sitting session. But instead to ask, is it possible to experience this right here and now in this very moment? In other words, the mind takes a leap into the future And says, ah, of course it's impossible to be with this experience for any length of time. And our question doesn't have to do with time. It doesn't have to do with length of time. It has to do with, is it possible to hold it with care, with great care, right here, right now, in this moment only? That's all we really need to be concerned about. recognizing that we're here because we want to be here, that it's our choice, that it's not masochistic, that it's not against ourselves, it's it's actually very much for ourselves to be sitting with things the way they are. You know, it's so interesting sometimes to notice how when the bell rings, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of pain, and then the bell rings, and all of a sudden it just miraculously ends. And, um, you know, what what was that about? What was happening? Uh, Was there some extra pressure, feeling controlled in some way, feeling that one is not sitting here because one wants to, but is being controlled in some way by others? Perhaps the person ringing the bell is, is controlling you. And of course, you know, we know that's not true. And we can remember that it's our own commitment And our commitment, really truly, is to wake up. Is to see things clearly as they are. Looking at the difference between the sensation itself and our concepts about sensations, our ideas about sensations. And looking at what is thought and what is sensation to see if we can make the distinction between thought and concept and sensation itself. So when pain arises in the body, bringing the attention directly to wherever it is in the body and seeing if we can very gently, very carefully, in a very caring way, attend to the actuality of the sensation, to notice the function of thought, how thought takes us away if we're not aware that thought is happening. It extends the pain into the future. It creates a life for that which is a sensation. So, To make this distinction, we can be aware of the actuality of the sensation itself. we can see that it's not exactly what it appears to be at first glance. In staying in contact, we can begin to see that it's not as permanent as it appears to be. If we can stay with what is in the moment, we also get a chance to observe change, to observe impermanence, not as a good idea or as something that we've all heard about, and obviously think is true, but to see in our own experience that everything changes, to see the impermanence of thought, to see the impermanence of sensations. And it's only by being in contact in the present moment that it's possible to see change, that it's possible to see impermanence. So examining sensation in this way allows us to see change allows us to see (coughs) impermanence, allows us to see that that which seemingly is so solid perhaps is not what it appears to be. But in practice, our attempt is to go underneath how things appear to be, go underneath appearances, and find out for ourselves how things actually are. Once again, out of contact comes, seeing clearly, out of contact with our actual experience, comes insight. <coughs> of course it's, it's helpful to keep movement to a minimum in the sitting, but one also doesn't want to get into any kind of an endurance contest with oneself or with others. So if it's necessary to move, to move very mindfully, to move very carefully, not in any kind of a sneaky way, but to really be aware that movement is happening as it's happening. Throughout the day-to-day slowing down and being aware if there's any sense of urgency in the body or in the mind of having to get somewhere of having to go somewhere, of having to become someone. And to see if over and over again, one can settle back down into oneself, into one's own experience from moment to moment. (coughs) As well, looking at continuity, seeing if we can notice those times during the day when we're quite mechanical, and we're moving in a a rote-like way, to see if the gaps can be closed. If we can notice the areas in which we're mechanical, then we can apply a little extra mindfulness to those areas. So settling into the sitting. Relaxing the shoulders. Relaxing the face. Allowing a Vulnerability of body, of mind, and openness. Sitting with great openness and spaciousness. Settling into the body, being aware of the body sitting, and becoming ever more intimate with the breath. Whenever you find the attention away from the breathing, away from the body, not a problem. Just to know where you are, know what's happening, know where the attention is. And then next breath, next moment. Being in the body, aware of the breathing.